Welcome to the Chicago Business Review, where we introduce you to some of the most successful and sharpest minds from my hometown, Chicago, so that you can find out the secrets that have helped these professionals achieve massive success. If you want to accelerate your growth in your personal and professional life so that you can do more, have more, give more, and ultimately live the life you've always desired, then sit back and stay tuned in because you are in the right place. I'm your host, Young Lee, and you are listening to the Chicago Business Review. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Chicago Business Review. I am your host, Young Lee. I'm a real estate broker, investor, serial entrepreneur, and the host of this podcast. And guys, I cannot tell you how excited I am for this episode. We have one of the most amazing guests lined up for you today. Austin Linney is our guest. He is a real estate investor that focuses on short-term rentals, Airbnbs. He's starting a fund for these short-term rentals. He's also a business and life coach and the host of Construct Your Life podcast. We have so much to dive into, so I'm going to bring Austin on right now so we can get started. Austin? Thanks so much for joining us, man. I appreciate your time. No, man. Thanks for having me, dude. You uh, you live in a city like Chicago. I know you got a you know you fight. You live out in the suburbs or like the main city. I live in the suburbs now. Yeah, after the four kids, we made the trek out to the suburbs. So how do you find uh, time to sell city. real estate with four kids? You just do it, man. You just do it. You know, as you. As the man I just introed with like five different professions, you know that think, you just have dude, to go out a, and do it. The, yeah, the joke with me is like, don't ask me how many businesses I have because I couldn't tell you at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. And that's what I'm trying to do. And at the same time with this podcast, we're just trying to provide value to our listeners on things that they can try to do to improve their quality of life and or figure out different ways of thinking or different avenues at which they can generate some income. And so that's why we're so excited to have you on as an expert in this short-term rental space. So I wanna just dive right in because there's a lot of different topics I would like to discuss. The first one is, I know you specialize in short-term rentals or Airbnbs. How did you get started in it? Mm Yeah, so we were traveling, like Airbnb had just started, it wasn't even really a thing, and, and we went to Costa Rica, and we stayed in Home Away before Airbnb even started, and I was like, this is kind of cool, this is this is interesting, this is different, and so through the years, I had, you know, lived in like Austin or something, so it was very popular, so we, like if I was gone for the weekend or working, you know, I just rent out my apartment. Right. You know, and like, so you're making a little money and you're like, this is cool. And so we had a real hard time buying our first house. Like we had, it took like seven years and like seven bad deals, like two fell apart the day before closing. So I was just like to a point where like, I was very frustrated with the process and um, we wound up one falling through and we wound up renting a place in the neighborhood we eventually bought. And uh, like, I finally met the right mortgage broker and the right agent, like, finally got people on my team and we found this house and um, 
he was like, listen, this is not a great area to buy. And I was like, dude, this was in San Antonio. And I was like, listen, I lived in Austin for 10 years. I watched what happened. This house is going to explode. Like, I just know. And he was like, do you want to go look at it? And I was like, no, I don't want to go look at it. Like, let's just put it in an offer. And in like, we had looked at it like six months prior or something. I don't remember what happened. We had seen it, but we didn't walk it the time we put it in the offer. So we wound up getting the house. When we bought it, we realized that the master didn't even have a closet in it. Like we didn't even notice because we just wanted the house so bad, right? So uh-huh. uh, we, we, we bought the house and then a month into buying it, my, my ex-wife took a job as regional manager of a company and she had to live in Houston. So here I am with this entire house and I'm working, you know, bartending 80 hours a week and I'm never home. And so I'm like, well, what if, what if we did what we did back when we had apartments and what if we rented out the room? And so I started with an air mattress, like true story. And then I bumped up to a trundle bed. Like I was really getting fancy. And then I bought a bed. And so I was renting it out, making a little money. And I was like, what if I rent out the entire house? Can I do, can I do that? Can I rent out the entire house? And I was like, I think I can rent out the entire house. So, so I rented out the whole house. My business partner still to this day, I was living in his apartment in his other bedroom on an air mattress on the floor with my dog and my clothes next to me. And I was working all weekend and renting the house out all weekend. And what happened was the house just never was vacant. And so that first year in like five months, I did like 15 grand. And I was like, "Uh Oh, we got something here. And so I talked to him into buying a house. And then that next year we did 70,000 between the two houses. And I was like, Holy crap. All right. And then I bought the house across the street and then we did 120,000 the next year. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. This is like, and I'm, and I'm still making great money and I'm like, this is a thing. Right. And like, I think uh-huh. one month we did like one month we did like 22,000 cause of spring break and like final four was like right around the corner. Uh-huh. And, but I was dying. Like I was working two jobs. I was cleaning every unit myself Everyone, uh-huh. I was cleaning it. I was cleaning it at 4 a.m. at 11 o'clock at night when I got off of work. Like, I mean, it was, it was insane. And yeah. uh, I wound up joining them. I wound up joining a mastermind and I joined this group of 270 entrepreneurs and, and real estate agents. And some of these guys had 35 and 130 Airbnbs. And I was like, how are you doing this? Like, like I'm dying with three. And they were like, well, are you giving them keys? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. And they're like, well, no. Are you, do you have a keyless entry? No. Like, do you have a list of this? No. So I fixed three things in my business. I did automated messaging. I went to keyless entry with a, with a camera on the front and I felt like I wasn't even running the property. Like I was like, oh, I could do 40 more of these. And then, then I had a conversation with my mentor and I was like, man, I'm doing so good. I'm saving so much money cleaning it, everything. And so we ran the numbers for the year on what I was making for cleaning. And it was $2 and 10 cents an hour. Oh my goodness. And that day was like a gut punch. And I literally called a cleaner that day and I have never cleaned an Airbnb since. And how many times are we in our business thinking that we're saving money, but we're not until you actually run the numbers. That, oh my goodness, there was so much great nuggets in that story right there. 
I, I can't even process that. Like, it's so true. I feel like a lot of times we're just so stuck in our business. We're just so myopic that we can't see the label from inside the bottle is what one of my mentors always says is like, yeah, when you're in it, you can't see the whole picture. And so you need somebody like a mentor or somebody from the outside to assess and tell you things that maybe you're not thinking about because you really think like, this is the best way to do it. And I'm saving money. I'm working hard. You know, all these things that we take as badges of honor, but well, in reality, it's actually costing us. Yeah. Here's, here's something that people need to get over real quick. So the new world that we live in, working hard is not a badge of honor anymore. It's the minimum. <laughs> so yeah, so no. it's not an excuse anymore. And what I, what I want to remove from the English language is how are you doing? I'm busy. I want to remove I'm busy from the English language. That doesn't do anything for me. My question to you is how are you? Like really, how are you, right? And I think that we assume that because we're moving forward and we're doing all this, like we're, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're getting it done, but are you really getting it done like the right way, right? And, and so my goal, and I mean this wholeheartedly, I think there's two versions of me. I think there's work Austin and I think there's, there's life Austin. And what I mean by that is we can get into all that later, but I'm going to run multiple businesses, my coaching business and my podcast working three days a week. Now those days are really long, but on Thursdays and Fridays, I don't take any meetings. Now, do I have a phone call from time to time where I'm catching up with the business or I need to like send a text? Yes but I don't have any scheduled meetings on Thursday and Friday on purpose. So we can travel and do what we want to. And I know that I have to be here during these three days with proper Wi-Fi to get the job done. And so Monday I'll coach from 4 a.m. in the morning because I have East Coast clients till seven o'clock at night and I'll go straight through. Mm -hmm. But guess what? I'm done coaching for the week. And so it's the only way I've found to run multiple businesses because I compartmentalize everything. Like there's an hour chunk, so you're working on this business and so on. So I think that people underestimate that they're getting the job done, but are you actually putting dedicated time into what you're doing? Are you being distracted during your work and not getting anything done? I think it's a lot more the latter. Yeah, no, I think that that is, such an important thing that people need to understand is that they think they're working all these hours, but if you were to document every minute of the day, you would see how much of that time is actually being wasted or being inefficient. And therefore you're like, Oh, I'm working seven days a week and I'm working like 10, 12 hour days. When in fact, like, you know, if you were, efficient, if you are time blocking and you are focusing on one item at a time, you would be so much more efficient and not working that hard. So it's incredible that you are actually living it out. And so what would you say, I'm assuming that that wasn't an easy transition right off the bat. How did you incorporate it? You didn't go from like working seven days a week to three days a week. So how did you make that transition? 
No, I think that what's important is when I got, so COVID happened and in the same week, I got laid off for my private equity job and I got divorced in the, in the same week. And I started a podcast all in the same 10 day stretch. Like it just so happened that this is like this crazy 10 day stretch. And I did 170 podcasts in, in 11 months. And I was recording nine a day and I didn't know other people didn't do nine a day because I was just at a point where like I was trying to refine myself like in, in what my voice was and what I was doing separate from my W2, separate from my, my marriage, separate from everything. And I was stepping into this new, you know, sober version of myself and having these amazing conversations with people and kind of listening to them and understanding what they were doing really gave me a window in to find out a couple of things. One, nobody has it figured out. That's the number one thing I realized, no matter if they have billions or hundred millions, I coach a couple millionaires. And to be honest with you, they might be worse than some of the people that don't have any money. So I mean, yeah. you know, trying to clean up some of their stuff. The second thing I realized is that, is that I myself, and, and more farther along than I thought. The second thing, the, the one of the last things I realized is that the only way through something is by action. Like, like when, you know, people ask me all the time, when I, and this is a true story, and we can get into it if you want. So I didn't have anywhere to live and I slept underneath a closet for four months, like literally a 50 square foot closet at my buddy's brother's house, laying brick and tile because I didn't have anywhere to live and I slept in 50 square feet. And some guy asked me a question on the podcast. And he said, listen, you've been on a ton of podcasts. He goes, what got you out? He said, I don't think anybody's ever asked you this. He said, what got you out of that closet? Like, cause that, you went from living across the street from Kevin Garnett on a golf course in Houston to living in the closet. Like that's a big, like, holy crap, that's a big thing. And I said, no matter what my parents taught me, they taught me one thing. My default switch is to work. Hmm. If stuff's going bad, if the relationship's going bad, if you're not happy with where you are, instead of complain and quiet and whine about it, my default switch is let's go to work. Let's figure it out. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that worry about what's the webcam, you know, what's the lighting, you know, like what's the name of the show going to be? Like, you know, uh, some guy was joking the other day, like, Y'all over here worried about the, what the name of the LLC is going to be, why I buy seven houses, you know? And I think that my statement that I say to everybody is it, all the answers that you seek is on the other side of action. All the answers that you seek are on the other side of action. That might be one of the greatest things that have ever been said on this podcast. And I know people have said it in one way or another, but to be that clear and concise about it is amazing. Man, that was a lot. But I want to so, I want to finish off the yeah. Airbnb talk because I want to add value to people. So I think what, and this is a controversial statement that I say that really, to be honest with you, got me a little hate the other day on TikTok because I said it on a podcast, but I love messing with them a little bit. You know, everybody wants to scale, right? They, they want to, they, I'm going to have like 15, 30 Airbnbs. Do you, do you know how many Airbnbs you need to be financially free? Like three. Like really? Three. Dude, there's a 24-year-old I know that quit. Him and his wife quit his job, and they have three. They're bringing in $20,000 a month right now. 
Like we're, we're making it more complicated than it needs to be. Okay. And I'll give you some basic tips for Airbnb to make it easy. So people understand that number one, great. number one, pick a market where you yourself would like to travel. So not only do you have a property that's making you money that you get to enjoy it as well, which means that you care about it more, which means that it gets more attention, which means that people would like to stay there as well too. The second thing is never underwrite an Airbnb property based off Airbnb numbers. That those don't exist. They might as well be fake. Does the property work long term? What's your option out of it? It has to make sense. Long-term rent. The second thing, another thing that I would do is understand that they have created softwares predicated basically on Airbnb that you can leverage out through software where I went three weeks without manually talking to the guest because I wanted to see how long I could go. I had four properties like that's there. There's all these things, right? Now you have ring camera which records everything. And what really did it for me was I had one property at the time, one, and we decided to do a two month trip to Europe. And I got the cleaner in place. My neighbor was across the street, could do maintenance. And I was unlocking the door and running my apartment from a beach in Spain. And I was like, holy crap, this is it. Like, this is it. And here's the rub, right? This is super interesting that people don't get. I actually think by you living close to your property, you're actually, you're actually hindering how good you can be at this. Wow. By me being far away from my properties, it actually teaches me to be a better investor. That is very interesting because I don't think most people would assume that and or somebody just getting started in it would even advise that they'd be like, Hey, be safe. Make sure you know the area, make sure you on can the back, on the, on the back it. of that, on the back of that, I have a, an amazing thing that nobody talks about. When you look at an area like Florida, the smoky mountains, you know, these, these markets that are heavy in, in vacation rentals, they have the infrastructure to get these properties managed and done, meaning cleaners, maintenance people, a lot of these people ask me to do a project like, Hey, can you manage my Airbnb in Lake Tahoe? And I, and I say, no, why would I say no? Because the area is so expensive that no cleaners can live there. So you have no infrastructure to clean it. So these are the things that people don't think about when when you have to have the people to help you manage it. And if they're not in the market, then you can't get it done. That's a huge tip. I hope people, I mean, it was worth the price of admission right there for that one piece of advice. Cause yeah, I think people don't take that into consideration enough is like, Hey, I'm going to need a team. And yeah, if the, the area is just so expensive because it is a more luxurious location that you might or want. remote or remote. Yeah. You know. Oh, or remote. Yeah. But then, you're going to have that headache or difficulty maintaining that property because there's no one that is in that vicinity that is doing those types of jobs because of the income level or the scale of it or the lack of so, just people in the area. So, so a couple resources just to kind of round out the Airbnb conversation. Please. My buddies, 
my buddies Mike Sorgren and, and Emil Pani have the best podcast that exists on this called Short Term Rental Secrets. Short Term Rental Secrets. Uh, they have the best ever Airbnb operators on in the world. There's a book called Optimize My Airbnb. Those two resources are really amazing. Also, they want to send me a message on Facebook or Instagram. I have a fr- I have this big folder of Airbnb stuff. I'd be happy to send any guests. So just message oh, me, Austin Linney. Yeah. Where can they message you? Instagram, Facebook? Instagram, Facebook, doesn't matter. Yeah, just okay. send me a message. Tell me you heard me on this show, and I'll drop you a huge folder of training material and all sorts of stuff. So. Uh, that is unbelievable. So please, guys, Austin is providing you guys not only with incredible nuggets here, but he's willing to provide you with free resources. All you have to do is reach out to him at Austin you know, Linney on Instagram or Facebook. You know, what's, yeah. you know why I get so pumped up about this? Do you know how many like 70-year-old grandmas I've stayed in their Airbnb when we travel? And she's like, oh, you know, I was just living on my retirement but now I'm doing this and I get to meet all these amazing people and I have extra income that I can travel. And like, that's my hope for everybody. I don't need you to have a hundred Airbnbs, but what I'm saying is if you can have a property that your family can enjoy, you can make a little money. It's a write-off. That's a whole nother conversation. Uh, Cause this whole thing is a write-off cause you're running a business out of the, out of your home. Then that's what I want to do. Right? Because understand that the new currency in America is one thing and one thing only, experiences. Are you providing experiences in your investing, your business, and in your day? That's all people care about, and people will pay for it. So that's what Airbnb's done better than most, is they've created an experience where I can't afford this really expensive house in Malibu, but for the weekend, I can feel like I, I do. Yeah. You know? And like, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, no, I, I am a firm believer in that as well. Experiences and memories really are what we try to invest in as a family, because at the end of the day, that's all you have and or will remember more so than these material things that you think are so important to have and such. And so just to expand a little bit on the Airbnb stuff. So sure. you had mentioned at the beginning how important it was to have the right lender and real estate agent. And then you mentioned like a cleaning person, a maintenance person. Are there anybody else that you would need to partner with or find in order to get started? I'm about to change people's lives because I still try not to talk about it too much because I still have PTSD, but uh, I used to fly in and set these up all around the country. And I would be sleeping on mattresses and putting together furniture. So my old assistant actually created a company that will fly in for you and put together your Airbnb. And he did it, he did mine in Tahoe in 24 hours. It's the best money I've ever spent in my entire life. And this is gonna be the new wave of what I think matters because as an investor, your time is money. And it's going to take you three weeks and they'll do it in a day or two. And setup team is, is I think, the, the missing link that a lot of people are going to start using. So what does the setup team do? They- so you, so you, you would go in in a spreadsheet and you would, you would label in all the stuff that's in each room. 
And then they would go in and put together all the beds, the furniture. They would put the couch together. They would put everything in its place. And then you would come in behind them and touch it up. And then you're good. You're good to go. Now, I would have to do all those things. My, he'll even design it for you as well, too. That's a whole other service on top of that. So, you know, really, you got to understand, me, myself, I bought 200 TVs, 500 beds. You know, I mean, like I know to a T which furniture takes the least amount of screws to put in off Amazon. <laughs> like that's how like ridiculous this is. But understand that like a lot of these guys on the bigger scale, they'll furnish five to 10 properties at the same time. So these things have to be like calculated down to the T and, and you have to know what matters because this is a little tip that people don't realize. And I say this to every, cause every, everybody wants to talk about Airbnb. Remember that everything that you put in the house better make you money because that's one more thing that the guests can bitch about. So, you know, everybody talks about a pool table, right? Oh, let's put in a pool table. Yeah. Give that a week. And they're going to be saying, we don't have any chalk. This broke. Like it needs to make sense. Like, and I think people get, people want to overthink the room when people are really comfortable with basic, I'm not saying basic, like in design, I'm just saying that you don't need all the same things and, and, and understand that the house that wouldn't work as a regular house might work for Airbnb. If it's close to a main road, like nobody would live there, but the Airbnb guests don't care because they're there for two days. Interesting. Huh? That's incredible insight as well. Cause that, that's just a complete shift in the way that people would think about in terms of buying a property just in general, man. I, I mean, there's just so many questions I have. What would you recommend for, somebody just getting started like what should they look for in their first property so that they don't I give you I give you the best strategy that I think makes the most sense and this gives you peace of mind and gives you freedom to operate you buy a duplex you put in one person in long-term rent on the other side to cover the mortgage and you ask that person I am willing to give you money off your rent if you will clean the other side i'm going to run it as an airbnb <laughs> you have your built-in property manager built-in cleaner they love it because they're getting money off rent you're getting your property taken care of for and that way you could have an explosive property making you a ton of money wow that's incredible now you had mentioned some areas like Florida and the Smoky Mountains. Wouldn't those places be oversaturated with Airbnbs at this point? Or are there still opportunity in those types you would of think, but You would think, but we're not seeing any decline in the numbers. We're actually seeing it go up. And really? one of the, one of the things that, that I don't think people do enough, and I just do because I'm, I'm weird like this, I like to study human behavior. I like to see what people buy and I like to see how they travel because they're telling you what they're doing by the way that they're acting, right? And so we've created a new economy because of COVID and I don't think people are realizing it, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, that I would say on my one hand and maybe another hand, I know entrepreneurs or business owners that are traveling one month at a time, two months at a time to places they're staying in this place and this place is what I'm doing. And I think that that's only going to become more prevalent. And, and what people don't know is the Smoky Mountains National Park 
is the number one visited national park in all of the United States. And mm. so even though the prices have gone up, there is a market like the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is outside of Atlanta, that is going to be the next Smoky Mountains. You know, there, there is something to be said for this, right? And I think even though the market is saturated in that market, understand that they're totally okay with it because that's what their business income taxes is. So it's never going to go away. So even though it might be saturated, you're still going to have that because I think the concern is if you're playing with fire in a city that's fighting against it, like true story, we had seven units in San Diego two years ago. It was so bad. The, the visceral fight between locals and the news and like Airbnb guests was so bad. We had neighbors videotaping our Airbnb guests and like harassing them. And we wound up shutting down every unit in the town because it just wasn't worth it to us. And, and, so, and so I just don't see that as a viable move forward if it's constantly going to be a thing. So, you know, we're focused in three or four markets right now only. And, and that's where we're going to stick because they're totally okay with it. And I think one of the things that we focus on is at scale. So if you're going to do these one-off properties here and there, it's not going to work for you because you don't have economies of scale within your business. But when we're in going into a market, you know, we're looking at buying at least five to 10 properties in that market. So that way we could have one cleaner over the whole thing who's managing the other cleaners, right? And then have one maintenance guy. And so I think economies of scale are really where people get caught out, caught out of bounds when it comes to the Airbnb market. Hmm. That's, I mean, there has been so much incredible information that you're sharing with us, man. And I cannot thank you enough. The economies of scale is so true. Like if you're going into random one-offs here and there, like, yeah, you got to now find that same team for every different location that you're going to versus you find one team that you can trust and they can manage all of them within a particular area. Now, the five or so, what timeline do you guys usually try to pick those up at? For, and then what would you recommend somebody else that's just getting started in terms of like, what's a reasonable timeline for, for scaling, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think that you just have to get comfortable with your systems. I think, I think that, you know, I, I try to tell everybody, like three or four, you're, you're good for a minute. And then, like, when you start getting over that number, it starts getting, you know, more in the realm of, of what we're doing. But, you know, just to kind of give everybody a, a playbook into our, in our thing, you know, we're going to have a dedicated VA uh, customer service team. So they're going to handle 100% of the uh, refunds, the payments, they're going to handle the communications and, and that's how we're going to scale. And without them, you know, personally, I, I don't, you know, like I'll be completely frank. Like I needed a, a step away when we started our first company that I'm no longer a part of, you know, we were, we, we were managing 27 properties in seven States in five months. Like it was, it was quick. Like we launched, we launched like seven units in three States in five days. Like it was, it was a wild time. And, and I was getting 85 to 115 messages a day and it just wasn't, it wasn't sustainable. And, and so we, I really had to like sit back and, and think about how we wanted to rebuild this the right way. And now we have, you know, I spent, like I told you, I spent that time at the hotel and they had three VAs for three hotels and I kind of watched how they did it. And, 
And, and now I know how we can do it. Uh, there's a guy that, that I know that my CEO of my company knows that he has uh, 45 properties and he has five VAs run the entire thing. So, you know, it, it can be done, you know, if you want to go that route. But for somebody who's just buying their first property, you know, look at it and say like this, uh, one of the big things that people don't talk about, that's a huge draw, is military bases. Okay, why Austin? Well, guess what? There's a graduation every weekend. So the parents are coming into town and how close are you to the convention center? Can you walk to downtown? What's the draw to your area? Like what people don't talk about is San Antonio switches between two and three to the number two and third busiest convention center in all of the United States. Really? I was seven miles from it. Yeah, I was seven uh-huh. miles from it. So, I mean, you know, I was seven miles from the river walk. So my house is stayed booked, right? And so these are kind of indicators in your market. So a couple tools to look at, AirDNA, AirDNA.com is how you find out what your property will make per night. They pull data from the last three to six months. Uh, you can go to the rent analyzer on the bottom left corner and for free, and you can kind of type in an address and it'll give you some gross numbers. You can pay if you're in a certain market for like 15, 40 bucks a month and it'll give you even deeper numbers. It'll tell you how many bedrooms or in your, how much, what, like what percentage bedrooms are booking the most? Like it'll get real deep into that thing. Pricelabs.com. Pricelabs.com is a way, it's a pricing tool that'll regulate your prices for you depending on events in town. Is there, is there something coming? And then what we use is there's two property management softwares. It's called Smart B&B. I think it's, ho- I think it's hosp- hospitally down, but Smart B&B. And Guesty are two automatic messaging systems that have AI technology in them. So if people ask all the time if they can bring dogs, you can embed a code in there that the the AI bot will answer them automatically with your response. Really? That's amazing. But I guess now that this is such a big business, that there is going to be these types of tools that are available for people to, like you said, scale their business accordingly, just like any other business. So um, there's a guy out of a, there's a guy out of a Dubai or he actually lives in London, but he has 177 properties, the Airbnbs. And he hasn't walked in his properties in three years. I know him. He's a friend. And he said, the reason is, is he's too emotional about the, the properties. And he created a dashboard off the software that we use where he can tell you if a property is underperforming and he all he needs to do is look at his dashboard so so remember right this is super important and and this is something that we pay attention to this is my joke with airbnb whatever you think the property should be go 10 miles past that and that's what you should airbnb all right and what i mean by that is crazier the better okay if you stand out in a crowd there's a million three twos out there but that's why we're looking at doing large scale properties with tree houses and yurts and all kinds of stuff because we want to create an experience down in Florida. My buddies have Lego rooms where the entire room is decorated in Lego or Disneyland. Like these are the things that as the market continues to get saturated, 
where you are going to be able to stand out in the crowd. You even saying that, I can already envision my children, if they had seen that, be like, oh my goodness, we have to stay in that house. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, you, you would not think that with conventional wisdom, but that makes so much sense now that you just said it like that. So, man, just incredible. Now, with Airbnb properties, because they are investment properties because they're short-term properties. How does the financing work on it? Do you need then a certain amount down payment? Do you need all cash? Like how do people start picking up their first one? I know a little more about this space because I used to work private equity and, and we lended to investors and construction guys. But, but basically the best way to go about it is a second home loan, which is 10% down. But they're the mortgage companies are starting, some of them are starting to take Airbnb revenue as kind of like a gauge, which is pretty cool. I think it'll be different. If you're buying a straight investment property, which is 20% down, you can do whatever you want with it. I think that the strategy that's not being utilized enough personally, that I think is the home run, is to burr into an Airbnb. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, so you're gonna buy a property with hard money, you're going to remodel the property, create value into it, and then flip it out into a long-term loan and then Airbnb that property. Because then you pulled your cash out, right? Because I think one of the bigger issues is that you're, you're typically, by the way, and if you want to message me, I have a breakdown, like that message I said earlier, I have a breakdown of how much furniture it costs in each unit size and everything, because we have it down to the T. Because, you know, you're, 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 you're also going to invest, you know, five to $15,000 in furniture too. So you got to get that money too back. So, you know, you really have to be careful about, you know, how much you're putting in because it's going to take a little while for you to get your money back. And, 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 but, but understand that there's a couple different ways because you have an LLC and you're running money through there. You can write off the toilet paper, the electric bill, you can write off everything, but here's the hack. Here's the hack for all you guys out there. Get a business credit card that is attached to free airline miles. Use your business credit card to buy the furniture and then attach the credit card to the Airbnb bank account and have the Airbnb guest pay off your furniture. And now you have free airline tickets. That's such an amazing hack, man. I, I This is a crazy episode, crazy episode. I can't even believe how much value you have been providing and the amazing tips that people can utilize right now, no matter what stage they are. And this will help them either be more efficient, buy back their time or save them money. And hacks like this is just incredible. Yeah. And I, I think, I think what's super important because we're going to get into my wheelhouse, which is this all stuff is cool. And I could talk about this in my sleep, but all of the things that I just covered for the last 40 minutes, they mean nothing if this thing in between these two ears is not working properly, okay? And what I mean by that is that you, everybody that's listening to this call, whoever will listen to this call, you are enough and you are fucking awesome, okay? And when you wake up to the fact that you are both those things and you realize that you can start today, meaning that all these options that I'm talking about are available to anybody. Nobody that's doing this, trust me, I know them. They're not that special, okay? So anybody that's doing them. And so my hope to you is that you will start changing the dialogue and the conversations that are going on with inside your head to start being positive 
and start giving yourself some grace, right? And so I bought this book probably 70 times. I should be the author by now, but it's called What You Say, what you say when you talk to yourself. Okay? What you say when you and, talk to yourself. And basically what he's talking about is that 80% of what you do, if not 90%, is run entirely by your subconscious mind. Okay? And if your subconscious mind, what your, what your mind does is it creates patterns where when you, when you say something a bunch, they want to they attach the synapses because that just means that we don't have to remember it. So if you say I'm a shithead and I suck, then you're going to think that. But if you say I'm awesome and I'm great and I'm going to attack today and you say that over and over again, well, then your subconscious mind is just going to believe it. So here's the deal. The subconscious mind does not know anything different than reality. So if that's the case, then it believes whatever you tell it to. So if you say that I'm the best real estate investor on the planet and I'm going to go out and create $10 million this year, that's what you're going to do. And so we have to, we listen to all the podcasts, we read all the books, we, we're, we're listening to Bigger Pockets, you know, we're, we're joining this mastermind, we're joining that mastermind. But the only person that truly needs to change is the guy that's staring yourself in the mirror. Yeah, no, and that, I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up because I know when we were talking offline, which I wish we were also recording for that period of time, you had explained a little bit about your background because I want people to be able to hear your story because a lot of times, like you were saying, people are listening to podcasts or listening to seminars or mastermind groups and they're like, oh, well, that person has it all figured out. So obviously they can do it. But you were sharing with me earlier about your background of your struggles and your negative self-talk can you just share with our listeners your background so that they know you are just born with this knowledge and this ability to pull this off so i'm going to tell my story by first telling this story all right and so i have a client who is a good friend of mine now the ceo of my management company but he's an er nurse and he's an er nurse in san francisco and he's been doing it for 12 years he's a really great human being and he said that, um, he said that uh, you know, in the ER, a lot of people come in for, for, for drugs. They come in for food. They're, they're living on the streets. You know, they're, they're drunk. They're whatever. And he said, I was really short to them. Like, I was always like, dude, get your shit together. Like, clean up. Like, fucking everything. And he said, ever since he's been coaching with me, he now has compassion in his heart. And he says, you know what? He looks at them dead in the eye and says, you know what? I know what you're going through, but I've seen the other side of this, and that's my coach. Hmm. And, he go, and he goes, you can do this. And so, you know, in my 19 and 20s, I got introduced to cocaine. Cocaine quickly led into methamphetamines, and I was home. My parents divorced. I blame myself for my parents' divorce. I, I was very easily in, influenced. I just wanted to be accepted. And... Um, you know, the problem with, with hard drugs like that is, is a Friday and Saturday turns into a Monday, Tuesday, turn into a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, and really my breaking point was on, on my birthday. I had stayed up for, for eight days straight and I hadn't eaten and I lost 30 pounds. And uh, I was taking 
Xanax at night to try to go to bed, but I wasn't going to bed. So I started hallucinating and I was in a bad place. And, and I had an ex-girlfriend saw me and she said, this is not you like do better. Like, I, like whatever, like this is not you. And I remember where I was when she said that. And so I went home that day, I packed up all my shit and I drove to Austin and uh, I kicked meth right there, right that day and uh, proceeded to be a functioning alcoholic for the next 18 years. But uh, I'll take that, you know, I'll take that at the moment over, over the meth. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it didn't stop there. I mean, I was still, you know, did some bad shit and still fucked up and, and, you know, everybody asks me, they say, why are you so happy? Like, cause I'm not there anymore. Like, like, do, do you understand? Like when, when you're stuck in that mediocrity bubble and you're just beating yourself senseless and you're in a marriage that you're not, you don't want to be in anymore and you're in a job you can't stand and you're, you're drinking every day because you don't want to face it. Right. And it's, it's what I told you at the beginning of this call, you know, everybody is hiding the things that are keeping them down in a closet with the lights off behind some old pairs of shoes. Okay. Hmm. And you think by putting it there, you're, it's not affecting you, but what you don't understand is it's affecting every fiber of who you are. So until you bring it out to the light, until you shine light on it, it doesn't own you anymore. So my failures or my drug addictions or who I was once, they don't own me anymore. And the greatest quote I ever heard in my entire life was, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not who I want to be, but at least I'm not who I used to be. Oh my gosh, man. You gave me chills. Like that is just so incredible. Huh? Yeah. It just helps give you perspective on right now. Yeah. Like learning from your past, but you know, you can't change it. And of course we would always want to be better, but you're better than you were, you know, and as long yeah, as you're improving I, each and every day. Yeah. Well, there's this book that came out. That I feel like I've been waiting on for like five years and I, and like, it's one of those books where like in the first chapter, you're like, Oh, I found it. Like I found the book that I needed to hear. And I think this book is for every entrepreneur that exists on the planet. It's called the gap in the game, the gap in the game. It just came out. Okay. And I only read this guy's books all month because he, the guy that he modeled this book after is a, is a famous coach for 40 years. And during COVID he's like, I got all this knowledge. So he just started writing books. And I think he wrote like 50 books, in like six months, like all hundred pages. Yeah. They're about business stuff. And basically what he's saying is you're either in the gap in the game. And, and here's the deal is we're sitting, spending all of our life living and basing our happiness on our ideal self or our ideal self is somebody that will never get to. So you'll constantly be let down and unhappy. But if you, if you focus on the game of who you were yesterday and how far you've come, then you'll always be happy and grateful. And so there's a couple of things I live by. It's 1% better every day. And I win the day. I really took Andy Frisella's thing. And that's the only thing I focus on. What are the five things that I can do today that if I hit this, I'm going to win the day. And for me, I base my entire life off of a lifestyle. Okay. And what I mean by that is that I don't have 
I'm not trying to go to the gym and like lift a personal record. Like that doesn't mean shit to me. Like that, that doesn't do anything for me. But my lifestyle that I created is I'm a healthy person and I work out every day. I didn't say what I do. I said I work out every day. Now, if that's a 15-minute walk, a 40-minute walk, an hour walk, a gym session, it doesn't matter. So when the ice storm happened in Texas and we didn't have power for three days, no water for two weeks, I worked out every day because that's what I do. And so I don't not look at real estate when I'm looking at real estate. I look at real estate when I'm in Costa Rica because I'm a real estate investor and my lifestyle is I look at real estate. And so too many of you are letting external forces, oh, it's raining, oh, we're, it's doing this, I don't do this when this. When if you, there's three or four things that you could hit every day that over the long horizon would create time, right? Because th this is a fact. I've asked the same question to 150 fucking people and nobody's ever said the right answer. I ask them a simple question. Are you successful? Everybody says no. Or you could say, I'm successful as I sit today and tomorrow I will be successful again. Because the moment that you decide is the moment that it starts. Not when you get there and you feel here. Not I'm going to work out when I get this amount of money. I'm going to be a nice person and hang out with my kids more. Because this is the, this is the biggest lie in American business. And I only know because I coach five of them and they're all dads and they're all over 40. You're sitting here and you're working your ass off and you're not hanging out with your kids and you're not being present. And you're, and you're saying this, you're turning around, you're looking at your kids and you're saying, Hey, I'm doing this for you. For you. Yeah. And they're, and they're looking at you and going, I didn't ask you to. And so here's the rub and I'll give you your out. I'll give every American businessman out. If you just admit for once and all that it's for you, then you're good. Just say it's for you. And if it's for yeah. you, let it be for you. Don't blame it on yeah. them. Yeah. That, that's incredible. Holy smokes. That's so incredible. I feel like you're coaching and lecturing me at the same time because I, at least I'm aware of it. And I realize from talking with people, and that's why it's so important to talk with people and to be around people that have achieved things better or in certain areas to to learn from them and the overarching theme from people that I talk to that are later in their stage of life is it goes so fast you will never regret Young, how, young, how, how old are your kids? How old are your kids? My oldest is fifteen. My old, my second is thirteen, ten, and then a six-year-old. Yeah. So. Okay, you have ten more summers with your kids. Yeah. No, that's what I tell that's my it? wife. I'm like, yeah. I was like, when I, I heard that, from, really when I heard that from Jesse, vacation. when I heard yeah, that from Jesse Itzler, I was like, oh my! I like, I like, stop what I was doing. I was like. Oh, like when he was talking about you're only going to see your grandparents six more times. Like I was like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. okay. I got to call we got my some things because, right now, right? Some things around, you know? Oh man, that I vividly remember hearing Jesse say that and give that perspective. And you think like, oh, you have all this time. How many times do you visit your parents or your grandparents? Okay, once, three times a year. How many more years do you possibly have? Like 
it's really not an infinite amount of time. It's a very finite amount of time that is less than you think. And I, I think about it, my daughter's a freshman in high school. I have three more summer vacations with her before she technically leaves. And then that's it. Then I no longer have that type, same type of pull or responsibility. And so just being aware of that so that you can therefore plan for it versus just letting it happen or pass by and then regretting it later on. And uh, yeah, so, so incredible, man. Yeah, yeah awesome. no. So I, I want, man, I can't believe we're already almost at an hour and we haven't even touched on your podcast, uh, Construct Your Life. So can you share a little bit about what you're doing there? Because I know that's a big passion for you. Yeah. So I went to, I had always had the dream of a podcast for like two or three years. And I went to a real estate conference before COVID and I noticed that everybody was networking and talking to the guys that had podcasts. And I was like, well, like, why can't I start a podcast? And like, so we literally, I came up with the name that night, like through text with my producer and um, I went into recording and you know, what's everybody's worst nightmare. Like I'm not going to be able to get guests. Right. That's like the number one thing. So, you know, and then I had like, we recorded like 30 episodes and I was like, Oh my God, like this is like really happening. And then I started getting people started introducing people to me. And like, you know, I waited till my hundredth episode to like, you know, ask my buddy who's like a billionaire, like I wanted to prove him, you know, and like he came on and he's fucking amazing. And, and I was like, Oh my God, this is like a thing. Right. And so what I did for me, this is just for me. I know myself. I'm a lot stronger than I was when I started it, but I know myself a lot. And so I made a promise to myself that for a year and a half, I would not look at any of the downloads. Uh And so I I didn't look at any of the downloads because I said to myself, if this helps one person, then we've done our job. And so I just kept at it and I just kept interviewing and, and, you know, now we're at 300, 300, 316 episodes in like a year and a half. And uh, we got a lot of downloads and, you know, two things. I have a friend it's probably one of my best friends. He runs a lot of money for UT. Big, big, big fucking stock market guy. And uh, he always was reluctant to come on the podcast. He doesn't like telling his story a lot. And so he comes on the podcast and it releases. And he texts me and he said, hey, I know it's just a podcast, but I want to thank you. I said, for what? And he says, if something happens to me, my son will have a record of my life. Wow. And I was like, okay, so we're, this is, this is more than just like two people talking like, and then the same thing, the same thing happened with my buddy and like his grandmother got to hear him on the podcast before she passed away. Like, and he's a young investor and like, she was like, Oh, my abuelo is famous. And like, she thought it was the greatest thing in the world. She's down in Mexico. And like, so just because you might be clicking play every day, remember that for your guest, right? Are the people listening to it? This might be bigger than that. And right. And I think it really gives people the freedom to, to understand that they can do whatever they want to do. Right. Like, listen to me. And like, I had something to say. And like, you know, the guests are always like, well, what, what have I got to talk about? You know? And like, cause I don't script, I don't script anything on my podcast. I never yeah. wrote a question down ever. Like I half uh. the time 
I don't even know the guest that's coming on. Like I get introduced, uh-huh. I do no research because I want to be surprised just like they're surprised, you know, like in the moment, like my, yeah. Go. So I think that everybody can do it the way that they want to. But I think that ultimately, if, if anything, right, I think if anything, the podcast has done this for me. If I'm ever in a bad spot, like mentally, if I ever get those days, I go back and listen to the episode of me and telling my drug addiction story. And I was like, oh, dude, you did some crazy ass shit. Like you come a long way. And it's almost like my own personal marker to like see yeah. how far I've come. Right. So, so it's really uh-huh. cool. And I think, I think that, I think that, I think that we're not allowed to grow anymore. And what I mean by that is like, it's gotta be the perfect lighting. You know, everything's gotta be perfect. It's like, no dude, there's progressions. Like I just brought on a creative director to my podcast next month. Like this is a big step for me, like a whole production crew, like, uh-huh. you know, like we just upgraded some of the tech on it. Like I was just recording like on a laptop and a webcam for like the first 300, like nobody said anything like the information's there. That's all that really matters. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you are just so generous with all of the information and just your experiences being an open book. And that's how you legitimately change other people's lives is when they're like, Oh, I can relate to Austin. I can relate to Young. I'm not the only screw up <laughs> because everyone has those issues. Everyone, no, I'm, whether I'm they holding the title. Or not. <laughs> I'm holding the title. Yeah. Man. And so, again, guys, if Austin can do it, anybody can do it. And just an amazing testament to just what you can accomplish as a human being if you put your mind to it and you have action in place and Austin as as great an example of that as possible I, I mean I cannot believe we're already almost at an hour so I guess and I would love to have you back on Austin because I feel like we just scratched the surface of things that we could have talked about and we could have taken it so many other sure. ways but and I'll end and, yeah. and 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 in, in June I'll be up in Chicago so we're so we should we should put on a little meetup while I'm up there. I got some I would cool. I got some great investors that live up in the area, so I'm going to be up in uh, Wisconsin. I've got a bunch of clients in Wisconsin, but was my co-host of my other podcast, he lives in Minnesota, so I'm going to be up on the Michigan Lakes area for like most of the summer. So, please let me know when you're in town, man. We have to get together. I would love that. I so appreciate the time and the information and you just being so open and vulnerable throughout this episode, it's really going to impact a lot of people's lives as well as impact mine. This is going to be the, one of those episodes that I go back and listen to a number of times. So I can't thank you enough. I guess I'll end with this is what do you want your legacy to be? Like, I want, you know what? I got the story and everything. I got it. You ready? Like, awesome. it's, it's, I'm ready. I'm going to, I'm going to take everybody on a trip. Okay. So I want to be, I want to be 70 years old. I want to be living in a town in like Tuscany with my 10 acres and I'm, I'm growing and I'm hosting Airbnb and I used to be a chef. So I'm cooking for people and growing our own wine and I want to be walking down the street and I want somebody to yell out from across the way. That's fucking Austin Lenny. Okay. Hold on. And I want him to run up to me and I want him to go, 
thank you. And I want to go, hey, I don't know you. And he goes, no, you don't know me, but you coached this person and that person changed my life. That's, oh, we could just drop the mic there and just end the episode. That was so good, man. So good. And I feel like I got a coaching lesson just from talking to you today. I know I'm going to be reevaluating a lot of things that I'm thinking about. Not, not to mention all the incredible advice, tactical advice, practical advice that you gave in terms of people wanting to change their life through Airbnbs. But that wasn't even the biggest takeaways, the life nuggets, the, the advice, the mindset stuff, all of it was just so great. So, man, I cannot thank you enough. Guys, gals, Austin was so generous to share all of this information with you guys. So please leave a comment. Thank Austin. Reach out to him on Instagram, at Austin Linney. He is always so willing to give back and to share what he has learned. And he's willing to give you those uh, resources for the Airbnbs and things of that nature. So please, please, please reach out to him just to thank him for all of this information. And if you guys found value in it, please leave a comment, leave a question. If we have enough questions, I mean, no matter what, I'm going to bring Austin back. But at least if you have some questions, you can leave them in the comments. We'll make sure to get them answered for you. And uh, yeah, like subscribe, follow, share this episode. This is going to be one of those life-changing ones, if not for you, for someone that you love. So for Austin Linney, I'm Young Lee, your host. Thanks again, guys, for paying attention and watching to the Chicago Business Review. Thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. I truly respect your time, so I hope this was valuable to you. And if you're a new listener, then thank you for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources, links, and show notes on our Facebook group, Chicago Business Review. Just go to Facebook and search Chicago Business Review so that you can find out all the latest info on future podcasts, get all the show notes, and network with other highly successful and driven entrepreneurs and professionals in Chicago. Also, be sure to contact me while you're over there and share any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations you have as well. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.